You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Bites, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 136th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida. This is Matt. I think he's in Minneapolis. <laughs> and this is Spencer in Boston, Massachusetts. Guys, welcome to 2017. Wait, uh, was that a soundboard, little guy? What? Was there a little uh, soundboard that you played when you... Uh... It's uh, no, I don't have a soundboard. It's new. It's new. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Ah. New and improved podcast for 2017. Coming at you hot. Never know what to expect. You know, we've had lots of comments about sound quality. We've been improving, making drastic improvements. If everyone could see the bunker that I have set up here in my own um, household, uh, hopefully soften the sound. We're going to also work on increasing volume. And the reason why, the reason why we do things like this is to raise our professionalism because we have individuals now crawling across, riding their bikes, crawling across the United States, knocking on the door of Hotel Domestique in Greenville, South Carolina, to ask the one, the only, gorgeous George Hincapie, when are you going to be on the podcast? Mm-hmm. Some what? Big shout out to Chris Tiles at Pedal Hard, who tweeted us this week to say... Hey, stop by personally at the Hotel Domestique to ask George Hincapie if he'd be on the podcast. Now, normally we would just let that go by the side, right? We'd be like, eh, whatever. Like, that's pretty cool. We get lots of people telling us about George Hincapie wanting to come on the podcast. But once again, <laughs> once again, and Spencer, I don't know if you saw this. It oh, just I did. happened. Oh, I did. It just happened. George Hincapie liked the tweet. Yep. Hincapie wow. now knows that we have people stopping at the hotel. They, I think this is going to happen in the year 2017. This is my main prediction of the year 2017, that George Hincapie is going to come on the Slow Ride podcast, and we get to ask him all the hard-heading questions that our listeners have come to expect. Mm-hmm. Does George Hincapie own a hotel? <laughs> Little guy, come on. Where have you been? Uh, you I've been at my house, mostly rearranging furniture and yeah. stuff. He owns like a whole complex there with like a crit racing track and all kinds of stuff there and they do rides out of it like uh tours. okay little guy so he owns like an abandoned I'm not office gonna tell you, a little guy yeah, allow basically. me to tell you a little bit about his uh yeah. let me let me hear if this is a place you'd like to stay okay, okay. hotel domestique mm-hmm. already inspired, sounds perfect for little guy <laughs> yeah inspire and don't even google it yet don't google it yet I'm not. Inspired by the world's travels, tastes, and active lifestyle of legendary cyclist George Hincapie, Hotel Domestique is a study of contrasts. Part countryside (laughs) auberge, part modern boutique hotel and culinary Mm -hmm. destination, our intimate South Carolina property draws people across the nation who are searching for serenity. Now, you may say, you know, that sounds amazing. In fact, that's a place I want to go to. But you're going, are there any restaurants on property? 
What do you think, little guy? I would hope he has like oh. the ex U.S. Postal Chef on call to cook up pasta at any hour of the night. Oh, little guy, allow me to tell you something. There is a restaurant okay. there, and it is called Restaurant Seventeen. Now, why possibly would it be called uh, Restaurant Seventeen? I believe he won. Was it the Seventeen Stage that he won, or he he did Seventeen Tours? I think he completed 17 tours. Yeah, it must be 17 tours because he oh. didn't win the 17th stage that year with Piero. Piero was earlier. Okay. Okay. Now, I, like it. I don't know anything about Chef Nick Graves, who's the uh, head chef, but I'd like to assume that he was the postal um, chef of choice. And, I mean, um, th- th- there's a lot of things to do here, little guy. The cycling on course is out of this world. I mean, the hills, everything about it. I got to stop talking about it because they're not sponsoring us yet. But man, Hotel Domestique, George, hook hook us up. Um, so I assume <laughs> it's all it's a nice place. So just the only thing you don't want to do is go to the head mechanic. He'll over tighten that that steerer tube every time. Yeah, it's well, again, we don't know if that was the head mechanic's fault. But man, hey, I'm excited about this, guys. I I think that this is. Um, so th- thanks to at pedal hard for going out there and uh, you know putting the questions out there for all of us to uh, to know. So George, welcome anytime on the podcast. Now I'm assuming that it's a one story complex. That way, when the police raid it, it's quicker and easier to jump out the windows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know that's a that's a good question. Um, I I think it's a multi story uh, thing. The, the, the bigger question Ooh, is what kind of risk. Um, uh, what kind of what? Uh, it, it looks nice. Oh, oh, oh! Hey, little guy, the room, hey. the rooms. Mm-hmm. Oh, allow me to tell you the names of the rooms. Just, I will just allow a, you. There's the Abyss. Mm-hmm. Okay. There is the Galibier. That's a double mm-hmm. queen. Yeah, obviously. There is the Tourmalet. <laughs> the Tourmalet is a king size bed. Uh huh. There is. Let's see here. The Bordeaux. That's a king. I mean, this, this is the Lombard. A king. I am disappointed. I just looked all the way through all of the different room names. There is not a mm-hmm. room named Kern Brussels Kern. That is messed up. You would think that that would at least be two twin beds. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that, I hope all the all the yeah. There's like a spring classic section of the hotel where all the floors are just uh, cobblestoned in all the rooms or something, or at least the hallways could be cobblestoned. <sighs> yeah, man. Just okay. Well, anyways. Uh, moving on to other things, Eric Saunders, friend of the podcast, one of our favorite interviews we ever did, um, he uh, he was out in um, kind of almost rare, rare form, I would say, in that he, uh, you know, posted a photo of what the um, uh, Team Bahrain looks like riding, like those new Bahrain kits, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then in classic Eric Saunders form. He let it all out there, and it's a reason why exactly why we think that interview is one of our favorite. And he's like, okay, so, like, modern cycling has no style. These guys look like the fucks on the local ride. The pros aren't as pro as they used to be. And he's kind of just calling it out. That that kit does not look pro. Like, there's nothing about it. It looks just like uh, some people out for their, uh, their, their weekend warrior ride, and I kind of agree with them. There's nothing pro about that setup. When I look at Quick Step... I'm like, oh, that's a pro team, right? Like, it's definitely a pro-looking kit. Um, and I, I, I'm with Saunders on that. What, what do you think, Spencer? I, I tend to agree, uh, but I'm, I'm, the question, I guess, is what 
What is it that it's missing? Will you guys explain a little what the kit looks like? Because I haven't seen it. So I'm assuming that it looks like a Loon State kit. No, the Bahrain kit is very simple. It's all black. The only color on the kit, it's all it's like black sleeves, black black pants. But it's like a red kind of almost like a vest. Like someone's wearing a red vest that just says Bahrain, okay. Merida. And then there's kind of like an eagle sublimated on there. Um I, Spencer, the reason I think that it just lacks a lot of um, items is the lack of coloring on the sleeves. And now, what I'm thinking is that it actually like it looks really good, like it's a really solid, good-looking kit. Um, something like you know Rafa would sell, or something uh, one of these boutique brands, Search and State, or something. Something that one of them would make, like an artisan. You know, uh, very fancy, like, go on your local group ride, like, $200 bibs kind of deal, right? And I think that's what Eric might be getting at, is that those kits aren't pro. They look great, but pro kits are supposed to be kind of terrible. Like, covered in... supposed to be tacky and Yeah, and covered in logos, and, like, you hate them, and then you learn to love them by the end of the year, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, uh... I see what you're saying. I see I mean, what you're saying. Yeah, it is. It's not a bad jersey. I think it looks pretty good. But well, yeah, I see what you're saying, Spencer. I I kind of. Well, I think that the so like, maybe like, it's I, the number I, of sponsors. I think it's just because yeah. it says brain straight across the chest that there's no like variation. Yeah, I wanted to say Kofidis really big across the front with a phone number underneath it. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm looking for. I I still think though, like when I see the Quick Step kit though with the color and the blue and everything that that. Sets it apart. I think the black collar on the Bahrain kit also makes it look a little bit less uh, less exciting. But again, Spencer, I, you're on the right point. I'm sure that's what Eric was was getting at. Maybe we should just get him back on the podcast because that will uh, boost listens. I feel since we introduced him or we interviewed him well before we hit our you know our prime that uh, yeah. that that one in the back catalog hasn't gotten the full listens that um, we were we were not yeah. we we're not in peak listenership at the time and. Um, uh, Fortunately, most people haven't made it that far back in the history, but uh, I think it's episode 54. I think that's right. 53 or 54. Um, you should check it out. Eric Sellers, well, good dude. Had a lot of good things to say. And again, Who's? go ahead, Spencer. Little guy. Oh, I was just going to say, I, so I was searching for the kit. I wanted to see what it looked like, and I couldn't find any pictures of Nibali or Gasparato or Brakovich or whoever the hell else is on that team in the kit. All I could find is pictures of this hunk of sexy meat wearing that kit. Who is that dude and is he on that team so I can be his new favorite like fan? They, none <laughs> of the things list who he is. It's just this big handsome devil. And then it's like, oh, all these scrawny little weirdos are on the team. And then there's just this big man wearing the kit. <laughs> and you guys, uh, you guys got anything for me on that? Well, I don't, I don't know what picture I, you're looking at. So. Yeah, it's hard to say. I don't know either. All right, I'm going to do a little research on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of imagine it's just a model they hired because he's got, like, let's see, his arm muscles? <laughs> so so this gets us to anyway. um, another, you know, as, as we're just kind of going through some of the Twitter, and there's another deep cut. Thank you to all of our fans that now has gone um, multi-layered. Today, Spencer, you tweeted about um, how much you hate the Chicago Blackhawks, more or less, and how much you wanted anybody to beat Chicago, including the St. Louis Blues today. 
And I don't know if you saw the tweet from uh, Beatus618. He even goes, even St. Louis from a guy on the Slow Ride podcast? That is some next-level fandom that I, you know, I really do appreciate that someone still remembers the hate that little guy has for the city of St. Louis and yeah, how much he despises don't. it. That now they're, they're associating that with me and you and our uh, respective love of hockey. That's true. So. Yeah, what's up with that, Spencer? Come on. I thought we all agreed St. Louis. Well, no, well, Chicago's worse. Oh, Chicago is pretty bad. Oh, <laughs> no. Gosh. God, oh, yeah. Not... No, Chicago's not bad. Uh, who's had the most murders and gunshot victims this year? Yeah. Yeah. Don't it, really. Yeah. Well, what? I, I couldn't. What? No, it's sad. I, I yeah. mean, I, I have nothing to like say. Nothing snarky <laughs> at all. It's very sad. That's, I can um, think of other now, they don't know what hills are. We were talking about the back catalog. Now, guys, we used to do... A couple of different segments. Um, one of my favorite segments that we did was something called One Good Question, where we would just kind of ask a question, and then the three of us uh, would come up with answers. And one of the original questions was uh, the perfect cycling team sponsor. Now, at the time, we all came up with our um, different ones. I came up with the Pearson's Nut Roll sponsorship. Um, based mm-hmm. out of Minnesota, the Pearson's Nut Roll um, cycling team um, also featured a nut goodie on the uh, the cycling team kit. Uh, it is a local candy company, and with a name like that, I don't think you could go wrong. Uh, we would we would go around the uh, Midwest, up and down the Mississippi, um, handing out uh, nut rolls to all of the teams that we beat. Um, little guy, you went with the <laughs> Westphalia um, sponsorship um, with the uh, you know the the retrofitting of um, VW uh, vans. Um, it was a – or buses, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, very uh, – Vans. Oh, vans. vans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vans. Ugh. And uh, <laughs> good stuff came from that. And Spencer, you probably took the cake um, from a lot of people who were agreeing with you that the Oscar Mayer Wiener sponsorship could be an mm-hmm. amazing um, all-encompassing uh, team, mostly because of the team car in the caravan. It would yeah. always be placed at the back of the caravan. But it would be the most amazing. I don't know if it would get under the finishing arch, but the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile would be. I mean, that could carry a lot of bikes in the back, um, all different types of hand ups, some wieners That's here true. and there. Um, real exciting <laughs> stuff. Um, do you guys are you guys yeah. happy with those sponsorships? Are those teams still continuing, or is it time to update the well, team sponsorships? Here's here's what I'm thinking is regardless of whether or not we're happy with our selections and whether or not we can come up with better ones, the way the cycling business works is we picked those about two years ago now. I'm thinking it's that's about the lifespan of a of a professional team these days. So we well, might we <laughs> might be as team managers scrambling to find new sponsorship. So we're 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 searching for the quick step, the AG2R sponsorship that's gonna last a lifetime. Right now, uh-huh. we're stuck with a bunch of Belkins, is what you're saying, and um, it's oh. only going to last, uh, you know, a quick flash in the pan. Um, you know, another team on the on the outs perhaps is Novo Nordisk, because their sponsorship's coming up. So everyone's looking for new sponsorships. So this is when the Slow Ride Podcast shines. We are here to solve your problems, team managers. But I will let you know that we have already contacted all of these teams, so we are in the front. Of the line to get these sponsorships for the all-new Slow Ride Podcast 2017 Cycling Team, and I will start it off. Um, and gentlemen, I thought long and hard about this. 
Um, and I'm thinking a lot about my team is going to have a lot of sprinters because we're going to have a lot of stage victories. And because of that, we have become professionals at opening up the champagne bottle. And there's just something I don't like champagne. It just doesn't taste good. That's why doesn't. the all-new sponsorship for the Super Rookie Cycling Team, that's our uh-huh. placeholder name, you know? Yeah. It's now being yeah. changed to, TLLC. ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the Miller High Life Champagne of Beers Cycling oh, yeah. Squad. And there's a reason why here. This is what I pitched the folks in uh, Milwaukee uh, on. First off, you have the champagne of beers for the champagne ce- ce- celebration when we win a stage. Easy mm-hmm. play, right? Secondly, yeah. it's a working class beer. It's the perfect beer for the cycling fans of Europe that aren't all into the uh, you know the craziness that we have here in the American beer scene of all the overhopped and crappy beers that are getting all of the attention. And that's why Miller High Life is jumping on board, because they're losing that important cycling beer demographic to um, companies that name themselves after bike brands. And so, like Surly. And so, therefore, the Miller High Life Champagne of Beer cycling team is going to take over international now. It is upgrade from the Pearson's Nut Roll team, which was only concentrating in the Midwest. Amazing. Wow, that's amazing. That was great you were able to uh, secure that sponsorship. It took a lot of hard work, Um, but, you know, uh, I've got a lot of T-shirts that uh, I'm handing out to team staff, Uh Um, so the the money hasn't cleared the the bank deposit guidelines of the UCI yet, but um, I'm pretty confident. Um, I think things are looking up. Sounds good. Um, Well, for 2017, we've snagged a big sponsor. Uh, Oscar Meyer did have to back away from the cycling seen after some sort of uh, tainted meat uh, scenario that happened that uh, unfortunately caused them to withdraw. Um, nobody, nobody was suspended from our team, so uh, we, uh, we feel, you know, innocent, completely innocent. Um, <clears throat> but we are a stage race team. We're built to win. We're built we, – we can assemble like Voltron. The, the way we come together – is just really impressive. Um, yeah. so, a lot of team building, huh? Where you turn into a larger team and then a lot of, a lot of team, team building, a lot of you know, a lot of moving pieces that can be assembled in different ways, um, depending on how creative you are. Oh yeah, totally. Um, so we went out and we actually, uh, based on that, we found a big, big time European big company sponsorship for this uh, little program, and we're going to make the jump to the World Tour this year. Um, so the new the new title sponsor of the former Oscar Mayer Wiener cycling team is now IKEA. Yes, Ooh. IKEA has come in. Uh, they're shipping bikes to us now. Um, they come with an Allen wrench, so we should be able to put them together pretty quickly at team camp. Um, the kits, very classy, just blue and yellow. Bam, primary colors. No need to mess around. And uh, yeah, everything's going to be very very matchy, and we're going to have. Guaranteed the now, worst time trial helmets now, in the Peloton. Spencer, quick question just on logistics here. Um, is it true, uh, I was talking to one of your soigneurs, and he said that there's a little bit of a challenge with the musette bags. He said that they were overly big and too short of a handle. Um, is that this, something that's going to yeah. be corrected? or? Uh, we're working on it. They, the handles are short, yeah, okay. but they do carry a lot of sandwiches. Um, a lot of Swedish fish in there, a lot of meatballs. So we're really keeping the guys fueled. Um, 
there is actually, ironically, um, compared to what you were talking about, a lot of uh, fake champagne in there, a lot of that sparkling apple cider. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Now, w- when you're assembling the, the team and you're getting everything together, do you – what happens when you're like, you know, you're well, you only just, allowed you nine riders. You, yeah, no, but you're only allowed nine riders at the tour, but you show up with eight. Um, and then there's just like two kind of just standing by the side and you don't know where they came from and you don't know if you really need them on the team because you've got eight solid ones that seem to be doing the job just fine. Right. Yeah, well, you know, they can go relax on the team bus if we end up with extras. Uh, we just keep them around because uh, you don't really want to get rid of them. Um, so what they do, uh, team bus actually is its own beast. Um, it's immaculate. looks amazing. Cutting edge, modern style. looks beautiful. How many does it sleep? On those, you sit down on those couches, though, and they're actually really rock hard. Like, they're pretty terrible. <laughs> pretty uncomfortable um, but it looks great in photos and that's what we're going for hey you know that's exactly what we're going for i, I like this addition to the um the world tour definitely has got the financial backing maybe a little bit bigger budget than the uh the working class miller high life team um so these are two exciting I, i'm disappointed that oscar Myers going away i do want to announce that um uh, uh the pearson's nut roll company is still continuing on but they are just going to be a um you know a nutritional sponsor um, little guy, okay. what do you have for the uh, 2017 uh, uh, continuation of the Westphalia um, Westy Go Westy Racing Squad? Well, it, it's kind of a it's a two part team because we're still sponsored by uh, Go Westy, but just during um, spring, summer, and a little ways into fall. Basically, if the temperatures above freezing, we're sponsored by Westphalia because we can use the van. Uh, uh-huh. Anything below freezing, the van's going to leak coolant everywhere, and we can't be sponsored by Westphalia. The van has to go into storage, and that's why uh, we take a little step uh-huh. down in the winter, <laughs> sponsored by a different car-related website that doesn't exactly sell very much other than coasters and a few fun things. Um, we're ch- sponsored by JapaneseNostalgicCar.com. It's a great, okay. <laughs> great sponsor to bring on board. Uh, we're going all Japanese for the winter months. Uh-huh. Uh, reliability. Uh, affordability <laughs> uh-huh. and drivability. Three abilities I like it. I for like winter. It. Now, this is a website. Now, we're not driving this. This is a website that previously had a Toyota Cressida wagon as their official website car, and now they have a 1987 Toyota van as their official website car. Um, so I feel like they're the right people to bring on board for the winter, uh, for the 80s goodness. Uh, uh-huh. And then when the weather's nice, we can go back to uh, go westy. So it's kind of a two-part team just so we can actually get places. So, so is the team uh, stepping up in in sponsor, like in race level? Are you going World Tour, Continental this year? No, we're probably going to do less races. Um, everyone on the team's having a baby this year. Uh-huh. So um, <laughs> we don't really know how much we're going to be racing. Uh, kind of the whole team. It's kind of a weird thing. The whole team's well, that... kind of all in the same boat. Um, so it's a little weird, but... Um, I feel like we got transportation <clears throat> nailed down, whether or not we'll have the form. Uh, it's a real question, but the sponsors wow. are really cool with that, and they're n- no pressure. They put no pressure no. on us at all. Transportation. No, you say transportation, but I think maybe an hour or two at a time is, is all you're going to get out of any of these vehicles. Am I right? Uh, no, I've gotten many, many more hours than an hour or two. <laughs> yeah, but that's just lucky. Like, you don't want to push that during the race season. So what I'm actually thinking, if I could make any bold suggestions for you. You can't. Uh, 
it seems like it would fit with the aesthetic of your team to maybe mm-hmm. just uh, get a, pick up a tiny house sponsor and maybe place them strategically around the country. What, would it be around the country, or would it be one of those tiny houses that you can fit into the back of a Datsun pickup truck? Well, <laughs> see, here's, here's the problem. Spencer, it's a great idea, but the, the Go Westy is basically already a tiny house sponsor on wheels, so we're covered there. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, are you going to be riding the... Datsuns? I mean, what, what, what do you do? Like, what's, what are we talking, like an 86 uh, Corolla? No, we're sponsored by a 93 Subaru Loyal uh, for the winter months, and then we jump back to the, uh, to the Go West sponsorship. This sounds demand. fishy. I don't know that the UCI is going to grant your licenture on this. Uh... Well, I they don't, don't really I have don't a choice. It, I mean, the, I don't know uh, the this insurance has already been taken off the Go Westy uh, <laughs> program okay. until warmer months. So, I mean, I mean it's, it's all legal. It's above board. Um, cleared it with everybody. Right. Well, Any Isuzu's in the uh, in the um, God, in the arsenal? I wish, I wish, but <laughs> I can't find the one I want, and um, there's like ten of them left in the country. So, fingers crossed that they'll come on board any day now. Yeah, well, Sounds good luck. Good. I mean, I think that the you know even if you get one of those old uh, Suzu trucks, um, like the kind uh, of the little the, cube, the what trooper. were they? No, the no, no, like the cute the flatbed truck. Like I had the flatbed, and like you you saw them around like warehouses. Oh, you so, want me to just get like a I still box see him. truck? Uh, the Bongo. You ever see the? It's like a Mazda. I just googled it, and here it is. Yeah, it's a little like. Anyways, um, <laughs> so little guy, your team I think is going to struggle. Uh, hate to say I, it, I, you know, we're going to be good. You know, there's always we two teams. There's two teams stepping up to the international level, and there's one taking a step back to basically upper Midwest racing. Um, uh-huh. So good news there <laughs> on the uh, team sponsorships. And now, gentlemen, I think we just got to pivot right away into the year that was 2016. And with our top three favorite things, and um, do you guys want to go first, or would you like me to just kind of hit this off? Or, Spencer, do you want to go? You know, I was thinking about this, and if we each do top three things, that's like nine things, and that's probably a lot of things. So I kind of think maybe you should lead it off, and me and the little guy will just tell you if you're right or wrong about okay. your three things. So. No, in no particular order, my three favorite things of 2016. First okay. off was the 2016 Vuelta a España. And let me tell you why. First off, Nairo won in epic fashion. Part two was Andrew Talansky showed himself to be the best um, U.S. domestic Grand Tour racer. Yeah. Can I agree with uh-huh. your overall premise, but not your... And number th- and the, the third part of why the Vuelta kicked so much ass was the stage 15 short stage in which Brambilla won, and they basically put the knife in the back of Chris Froome to say, you are done. I don't know if you guys remember this stage, but this was when Contador went on the attack almost at the gun, um, creating the, uh, 14 minute, the 14 rider breakaway, and then Froome spent the entire day chasing and yelling into his, um, his race radio. Uh, and yeah, it was only 118 was stages, and... That reminded me of how important it is to have short stages. So how do you feel about the Vuelta being one of my top three things of 2016? I will say, yeah, I agree it was good. I'll say, two, you should probably go re-listen to the episodes right before the Vuelta because you're probably talking about trash about it uh-huh. uh, before it started. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's, that's all I got. That, I mean, it was good. I agree. I'll agree. 
I'm going to disagree, and I'm only going to disagree because I don't remember anything about the Volta. And that is because <laughs> yeah. the Tour and the Giro were so much better. No, they weren't, though. It was just too late. It was better. The, I think it was a I better mean, race. That, that could be, too. But I don't remember any of it, so it's Let me definitely s- not in my most memorable of 2017. So, wrong. Well, the only reason that the Volta <laughs> should not be considered one of the best things is that that stage 15 I alluded to is also when 93 riders missed the time cut by over 20 minutes, and they still ah, let yeah. them in. See, that's that was yeah, that's hard. They should have time cut them, and that's yes. that's a thing that needs to change for the future is they have to start holding to those time cuts. It would make um, the racing better. If they believe that short races, like short stages, make racing better, like then – Having having riders actually get cut would also make racing better. That is true. Especially, like, all the Grand Tours wanted to limit the number of riders allowed. Like, then they should actually do that. All they'd have to do is enforce the time cuts on the first day, and they'd have eight riders per team. Yes. I Hey, I, I'm with you. I think, it, I think they should have time cut all those guys. Um, but it still didn't take away from the amazing Vuelta. Yeah. Um, second on my list of three in no particular order of the year of 2016 was that uh-huh. I did not have to go to Interbike, and I'm quite excited <laughs> that I didn't have to go to Interbike. And um, for a cycling nerd and aficionado that I like to think I am, I wanted to go to Interbike so bad forever when I was um, on the per- on the the perimeter of the cycling world, right? Like not owning a shop, but maybe working at a shop here and there, just kind of riding bikes. Had a lot of mm-hmm. friends in the industry. Spencer, I remember you used, to, you used to go, and I'd always ask you all different types of questions, and you'd be like, yeah, it was cool, but, you know, it kind of gets old after a while. And I didn't really understand that. I just thought you were being, like, that indie rock guy that's like, yeah, it's cool, but, you know, I've done it. Um, I really did not miss it this year. I was really happy not to be there, although I didn't have a, um, you know, the, the fun of going to karaoke and going to the World Cup of Cyclocross race out at the Sands uh, or out at the Desert uh, Park. But Desert I got to admit, breeze. Desert Breeze, thank you. I'm I'm quite happy that I didn't have to go. Um, it looks like Interbike's probably going to be changing venues within a year anyway. Uh, my guess is, and uh, this could be a prediction for later, is that uh, Cross Vegas will be, have its last version of the race this year in 2017. Whoa. I think oh, that, uh, that's probably a pretty good prediction. Maybe one more year at uh, Cross Vegas before it's going to be, I don't know, Cross Salt Lake? Well, it's going to be in June, Salt so it doesn't Lake. really matter. So they're changing the day. They'll, they'll still do Cross. It's going to be way. terrible. Um, so, yeah, th- there's that. And then uh, my third thing, a little bit uh, bigger for all involved, especially in our very small corner of uh, Twitter cyclingdom and our fans is, the Trek coverage and sponsorship of the DVV trophy race, allowing me to watch live cyclocross from Europe without going onto the dark webs. It is mm-hmm. a fantastic coup for Trek. I thank them, and it is easily one of my three favorite things of cycling in 2016. Yeah, I'll second that. I um, I really enjoyed doing that this weekend. And, yeah, as the feeds are great, and it's kind of cool to not have – not hear any announcers kind of do your own play-by-play at home uh test your skills yeah i would like like it i would like the uh crosshairs radio guys to do um a live uh cast if they could of the race like while they're watching it 
that would probably create some kind of delays or whatnot. But I think that they could provide some uh, nice coverage, especially the um, they don't do that in Europe uh, uh, crew because they actually know what's going on. Um, and if you want actual cyclocross coverage, just go to crosshairsradio.com. That's that's true. Okay, so you nailed one of them, Tim. I'll, I'm going to give it to you. Like that that might be in my top three best things of 2016 year in review as well. Um, so good job. All right, and what do you have, Spencer? Do you have anything that you'd like to add on to um, to to my to my attempts at the best? Well, I was trying to remember specific things about 2016 and. It, the races all kind of start to blend together. Like I know the Giro was amazing. Uh, Steven, Steven Kreswick crashing uh, second to last stage, Zacharin crashing. Like that race was full of drama. I really loved that. I think the Giro would probably be in my top three. Um, outside of that, I mean, the racing's great. The racing's always great. It's hard to pull oh, Christ, specific things yeah, out. Kreiswick's crash is definitely a, uh, something that's, that made the Giro even – Better than I thought it would be. Yeah, that's good. I think if I got to pick racing moments, I got to say the Olympics. Uh, no, well, the Olympics was really good, and I, I always like, I always like Worlds, and Worlds was stupid this year, so the Olympics took its place. The Olympics were super exciting, except for the crashes, which, I mean, crashes are part of it, but when there's that many crashes and you think people are going to get killed, it it's a little hard to enjoy the race quite as much when you're when you're worried about whether or not all your favorite riders will survive. Like watching that women's race was super, super exciting. But then you spent the last, what, 20 K from halfway down the mountain till the finish being like, is she okay? Yeah. Um, And that rather than even like watching, being so excited about watching the racing and thinking, uh, you know, America was going to get a gold medal for a bit there. I mean, that was, that could have been one of the most exciting moments. I was screaming at this TV a lot. Um, (laughs) Matty Heyman winning Perry Roubaix, that was awesome. Um, that was one of my highlights, for right. sure. Seeing him go toe to toe with Boonin was super See, cool. I think that that's one of the disappointments, though. Like what? he doesn't he doesn't belong to win. It's a Tom Boonin race to win. Oh how excited I would be. <laughs> Domestics well, don't deserve to win unless it's uh, an important <laughs> race like KBK. Oh, um, I don't want a guy like him winning if George Incapi couldn't win. Now, Tim, what you're alluding to here uh, with Tom Boonin actually leads right into predictions for 2017. So I'm going to cut you off right there, and we're going to cut over to a pre-lap because I feel the bell. I feel the official with the bell warming up his waving hand. So I'm sure it could come at any time. All right. <laughs> cool. uh, this is Stephen Hyde with Cannondale cyclocrossworld.com and you are listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. Yeah? What are we racing for this week, Spencer? Uh, This week, the Slow Ride Podcast is sponsored once again by Health IQ. Uh, You guys crushed it last time and uh, went and checked out healthiq.com slash slowride to learn more about life insurance and you, you you crushed it. Like, we couldn't ask for more. Um, they were super stoked on it, and uh, and they re-upped their sponsorship with the uh, with the network. So we'd, uh, we'd like to encourage anybody that hasn't uh, checked it out yet to go do so um, and learn a little bit more about what they can do for you. They're obviously uh, supporting uh, things that you're into, 
Um, so maybe just uh, go check it out. Fill out a questionnaire. They'll give you a call. You can tell them, ah, thanks for the info. I'm not interested. You know, that's fine by me. And it's also um, a way to be an adult. You know, plan yeah. for your future. And, you yeah. know, it's something that I, that I definitely need to get done. You want to be able to leave done. your low-budget cycling team a little something when you pass away. Yeah. The Miller right. High Life is not going to be paying for my, uh, my, my uh, family. After I'm yeah, gone. you know, when you when you sprint, balls out, head down, full, all sails to the wind for 37th place in your local Tuesday night crit, you never know what could happen, oh, right? Geez. So <laughs> <laughs> and now it's getting morbid. But you should check yeah. out healthiq.com/slowride for all the information yeah. that you could possibly need. And yep. since you're riding your bike, you get to save a bunch of money. So check it out. And. Yeah. We also need to uh, give a shout-out to another Premlap sponsor, and of course, that is the Cyclocross Nationals Happy Hour and Crosshairs live podcast at BC Company in uh, Hartford, Connecticut, this Saturday night, 5 to 8 p.m., in conjunction with the Cyclocross National Championships in Hartford. And we will talk about the Cross National Championships in a little bit later in the podcast. But Spencer, you are going to be a live participant at this show, along with mm-hmm. Bill from Crosshairs Radio and Wide Angle fellow Wide Angle Podium Network um, uh, presenter Adam Meyerson. Um, are you excited for this event? Yeah, I'm pumped. This this is going to be awesome. It's actually uh, the event space is super cool. It's a uh, uh, company that does work with the inner city youth there uh getting them on bikes in hartford um and oh. there'll be an art show going on or fo- photo show i should say um a lot of uh great cyclocross photography up on the walls and then yeah bill adam and i will be doing a live podcast taking questions doing our thing uh, along with emily kacharek from squid bikes so it's going to be a full house it's going to be an awesome show uh, Saturday night or Saturday late afternoon <laughs> in Hartford. Come check it out if you're uh, if you're in town for nationals. Yeah, check it out. Go to Crosshair's uh, Facebook page to find the um, the event, or you can check out the Slow Rides uh, Facebook page. We'll also tweet. But I do want to say I went to this uh, BC um, uh, website. It's b i c i c o dot org. Um, it is quite the uh, crew there in Hartford and what they're setting up. And my favorite part is the simplicity of their, uh, what is BC company? And it says two words, bicycles and community. And it's a really cool little program. Um, and this show is going to have some donations that are going to go directly to this uh, great organization. And they are welcoming Cyclocross Nationals right down the road from where they're at. So uh, go check it out mm-hmm. if you are in Hartford. Um, more than likely, you'll be parking near um, this uh, facility as uh, parking is uh, once again at a premium and everyone is freaking out. So once again, <laughs> check out this Saturday night, 5 to 8 p.m. at the uh, BC Company uh, for Crosshairs Happy Hour with Spencer from the Slow Ride Podcast, um, Emily from Squid Bikes, and Adam from the Meyerson line. Yep. And let's, uh, let's get back to the show. Well, hey there, all you hosers. This is Manitoba Mike Vandenham from Canada, and uh, you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast, eh? So, 
We left off uh, finishing up our best of uh, 2016. Um, most of that stuff I think we want to forget about. We want to put that in the rearview mirror, right? Uh, we want to look ahead. The Slow Ride podcast forages ahead blindly into the future um, with no regard for anyone around us. Let's just be honest. Yeah, we're, um, we're weaving. We're, we're drifting right when we're looking left. We're drifting left when we're looking right. We're, we're going exactly. all over. Exactly. So, uh, like like a cat four in a track race, let's not check over our shoulder. Let's just move wherever we need to go and get on with some predictions for 2017. What do you think is going to happen? What does this, what does this uh, cycling season have in store for us? Now, little guy, do you want to start off no. with, uh, I've got three high-quality predictions because people come to us <laughs> for them. So that what, a funny joke. Do you have um, ones that you want to chime in or do you just want me to get started? No, you um, you can get started. You All can right. start I, us off. I'll I'll give you one. I'll okay, give you a please. hot take right off the bat. Last Peru Bay for Tom Boonin, he will finish in one of two positions. He will either win that race solo, or he will finish in sixteenth place. Oof! All right. Both would be high quality finishes. I don't know which one I would want if I was Tom Boonin, but you know, I think that. Uh, that I so you think he'll finish? You don't think he'll absolutely. like absolutely. Okay, absolutely. He will yeah. either dominate that race and destroy everyone, finishing solo by at least a minute, or he'll clean up. You know the third group on the road. <laughs> Are we sure that this is his last year? Yeah, he's not Bradley Wiggins. He's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, Spencer, that's a good one. Let me uh, let me throw out another hot take that I've got uh, up my sleeves. Um, All right. Team Sky will fold by the end of 2017. Whoa! That is a bold statement. Um, and the reason why is the Jiffy Bag contents have become known, the shadiness around the entire organization. And I don't know if the, the contents have been known. And the, um, <laughs> the, the attraction between Dave Brailisford and the Sky Communications Company in that team, the Sky Communications Company is standing 100% behind this uh, Brailersford uh, character that mm-hmm. when he is forced out of cycling by the UK cycling um, group, Team Sky will take their sponsorship with it, and um, that will be the end of Team Sky. That is my prediction. That's one of my three amazing mm-hmm. predictions for the year 2017. Uh, yeah. One. That's a good one. I yeah, I think some more stuff's going to come out about Wiggins. So, what about Froome? Do you think Froome will be able to get away from this? Do you think he's he'll be successfully uh, be able to part the ways? I mean, he's never been close to Wiggins, so this is starting to come out in his favor yeah. in their kind of uh, rivalry. Um, what do you guys think? think? Do you think Wiggins I, above the fold, or uh, uh, sorry, Froome above the fold here? I think Froome's yeah, Froome's going to come out squeaky clean on this and. The re- and it's going to be Brad that goes down. Now Spencer probably is the only one of the three of us that has the budget on it on his on his on his, his team to afford mm-hmm. Chris Froome for the IKEA racing team. I don't think he's going to be on the Japanese car nostalgia dot com. Uh, Nostalgiccar dot <laughs> com. Get it right, bud. <laughs> um, team. So that is mine. Uh, little guy, do you have a prediction that you'd like to throw into the twenty seventeen blend? I'm. My prediction is that at some point. Uh, somebody will pass Matthew Vanderpool before uh, before they go over one of those flyovers, um, and he's gonna go so fast into it that he's gonna jump 
over the person who had previously passed him um, nice. and just probably do a tabletop over them and then win the race. So straight out of hell track is what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, he's coming close. Like, he got a little too much air last week, but, like, a week or two ago, uh, he was on the way to the win, and he totally, like, lit it up on one of those flyovers and uh, got a little fancy even where he was going for the win. And so I think <laughs> it's just a matter of time before he just physically jumps over one of his competitors. Nice. Okay. Right. Well, I, I think that that would be interesting. Um, do you uh, do you have another one uh, hit us with Spencer? Yeah, I got a I got another bold prediction along the lines of your uh, uh, in our intro when you predicted Hincapi uh, being on the podcast in uh, in 2017. I think um, another out of left field, but maybe uh, maybe not. I don't know. I think we're definitely going to see USA Cycling president. Derek Bouchard Hall back on the podcast again in 2017, answering more of the hard, hard questions that we, you know, just can't find answers to on usacycling.org. That, that will definitely happen. That, that one's going to happen for sure. And to piggyback on that, Spencer, um, not only will Derek Bouchard Hall be on the podcast, another prediction from myself is that George Hincapi blocks us from Twitter. <laughs> Uh-huh. That's probably true. By the end of 2017. <laughs> yeah, I bet that's true. That, yeah, that's pretty likely. I'm, I'm going to even go high. as far as we might get a restraining order by the end of the year. <laughs> I think we could pull that off. There's enough back catalog. Um, that they could, they could, <laughs> I mean, I think he's got more. a case for it already. Yeah. So, so um, it, it, to continue on, mine, um, recently news was released that Nairo Quintana is going to be racing both the Giro d'Italia oh, yeah. and the Tour de France I in 2017. So my bold prediction is that Nairo will not get the double Tour win and Giro win in 2017. However, he will finish in second place at both the Giro and the Tour de France in 2017 ah. for an unprecedented Double, double. The double, double. Double? I like it. That's good. Yeah, I forgot he was doing that. And, and you know, they haven't been freaking out in the cycling press like they usually do every time somebody does well, that. Well, I think that what they they may be thinking is look at how he performed at the Vuelta when he had the tour as his warm-up. So do you think that, you know, I know there's an extra kind of, I mean, there is, you know, the same amount of time between. So maybe if they get his tour form at the Giro... Then they get his Vuelta form at the Tour. Uh-huh. That's, that's probably true. the theory that they're going on. Yeah, that's pretty much how I coach. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Like, that's just like, ooh, logic. Okay, well, let's just flip it. <laughs> so um, that's uh-huh. why. That's a hundred percent super rookie guarantee to not fail. Yeah. Is the old Tour Giro double? Yeah, that's I like it. For as long as second place, as long as Froome brings his his Tour. He brings his Volta form to the tour. That should work out just fine. Yeah. So, Tim, I think you might be onto something. Uh, Quintana double uh, double sounds pretty good. I think the only way that that is incorrect is that if Quintana wins the Giro, flubs the tour, and then wins the Vuelta, uh, which is definitely, I think, a possibility for him. But my my prediction for 2017. Uh, regarding the Giro, is that 2017 will be the year that the entire rest of the cycling world figures out that the Giro is the best Grand Tour that there is. Something that's going to happen 
whether it's the fireworks of the race or the non-fireworks of the tour or something, but the mantle, the torch is going to be passed, like, without question anymore. Well, cycling fans already know it's better. Do you think this is because of TJ? You think he'll, like... It might have (laughs) something to do with TJ. I'm using the Ouija board right now, and it's not... I'm not finished. It's definitely got... I've got a T and I've got a J, basically. But that could be the little-known team that is now the Bahrain cycling team um, that was going to be the... Or, sorry, the uh, Abu Dhabi team that was TJ Sport. So, you know, there there is a lot Uh, of things uh, here. Yeah. Uh, Oh, well, you're on to... I'm getting... Yep, I'm getting a sport. I'm getting... Oh my God, you guys! I've got another prediction for 2017. Are you sure you're not just Ooh. using the the TJ Van Gotter and Dad Ouija board, where it just says TJ Sport, TJ Sport, TJ Sport, <laughs> over and no, over it's again? No, it's a new uh, line of beverage that he's coming out with, actually. Oh it's man, like carbonated water, very lightly carbonated, little hint of flavor. Anyway, I drink um, that Kool Aid. I'm predicting one of the new. Uh, World Tour teams this year, uh, Bahrain, uh, the UAE, whatever that one's going to be called. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, the UAE. One of these teams will not survive the year. Huh. All right. I I don't know. I think that – I think they'll both survive just because of the amount of money that's behind it, but – Oh, wait, are you saying fold, or do you think they'll get kicked out of the UCI? Like, one one of... way or the other, the season will start with 18 World Tour teams, and it'll finish with 17. Okay. That'll be, well, that'll I... be huge if that happens. I mean, there's a lot of big riders. So when was the last, the what was the last like, mid-season fail of a team? I mean, was it Team Coast, <laughs> which became the Bianchi team at the 2004 could be. Tour? I mean, is that the last yeah, that could be. kind of Liberty what about Unibus? Unibus? fail? Did Unibus? Unibus? Drop out Just, mid. No, but Liberty Seguros didn't they? Didn't Liberty Seguros become someone else for the yeah. next, like for a few free races at the they end? Stayed, they yeah, got, they stayed on. They stayed. They, they stayed did. on for sure. Unibet I thought continued on for like the year. Yeah, they just like cut. But it should well, have anyways, been. It should have been Astana at least five or six times by now. But they keep dodging so, the bullet. Man. So, uh, little guy, do you have any uh, other bold predictions? I, I mean, we can keep going here. I've got another one that's that, that's a solid one that's going to happen for sure. Um, no, I don't know. Gas Gasparato so is going to win a classic. That's crazy. Uh, that's There's no way that's going to in, in 2017. You've heard it here first because when it happens, people are going to go, "How did they know?" On the Slow Ride podcast in 2017, Jeremy Powers will announce. His last competitive year of cyclocross mm. um, with a U.S.-based campaign in his uh, final season. He will be, however, defending as the Ooh. U.S. cyclocross national champion that he will win championship that he will win this weekend in Connecticut. Bold. So last year of J-Pow in the Stars and Stripes, that will be the end of an era of the um, one of the greatest cyclocross racers the U.S. has oh, ever. Oh man, should we just get straight into w- the uh, cross nets predictions real quick and wrap up the show? I think we should, but I do want to just put out there that although he is no longer doing a full international schedule, Jay Powell will become the next Jay Page <laughs> in their continuation of this kind of privateer style of racing. I do think that that's going to happen. I just think that the the time of Jay 
of J-Pow uh, going across the Atlantic all the time to I race like his, uh, his dog. I like well, it. I, I like it because it's a good idea because he seems to not be able to function when he's in Europe. So, All right, let's get right into the Cyclocross National Championships coming at us from the great state of Connecticut. And, um, yeah. gentlemen... Yep. Are we ready? Let's let's just break down the men's and women's, then maybe we can get into the U23 races oh as well. Um, I would like to start with the uh, the U23 women's race. Okay. Um, the reason why is that uh, a lot of people um, are going to say, hey, you know, Ellen Noble is going to be the winner. But I think Emma White is going to be right there. So watch out for that amazing competition. Yeah. Probably the closest race of them all on the weekend, I'm willing to bet, will be the women's U23 between Emma and Ellen. Yeah, that's going to uh, be a tight Spencer, one. Spencer, you are the expert there in New England. Who do you think has the edge here in this uh, competition? Man, you know, it's been going back and forth all year. They've been butting heads at uh, pretty much all the UCI races up up in this neck of the woods, and it's pretty much gone, you know, one day it'll be Emma, the next day it'll be Ellen, back and forth, like, all year. So this one, honestly, like you said, it is a coin flip. Um, I don't know how it's going to go, but I, I just have a feeling that uh, my gut is saying Ellen Noble pulls it off. But uh, it could very well go Emma White. I don't know. All right. And uh, Spencer, or Little Guy, you have anything to chime in? Um, I know you haven't really been able to uh, see them completely. I'm just curious if uh, if you have a one feeling one way or the other. Uh, no. <laughs> well, going into the men's U23 race, the easy – Vegas favorite has to be Curtis White, who won several top U.S. cyclocross races. Yeah. The only competition I could probably see in the U23 race for him would be Gage Hecht, um, who has had several good races at the um, World Championships as a younger junior. But I think this is his first year in the U23s. Now, he was rocking the full-on moots um, uh, Cyclo X cross bike, and he's known for the dangling uh, Bart Simpson from his uh, seat collar. Yes. So, seat post collar. I so, think, I, uh, I would like to think that Gay Check can do it, but I just think Curtis White is a little bit older and a little bit more I think, speed. I, yeah, I think Curtis White is definitely a class of the field in this race. Um, but I'm going to put it out there right now. I don't think it's going to win, but I think a dark horse for the podium is going to be uh, a local New Englander up here, Peter Gogan. Um, a lot of people won't know that name who aren't in New England, um, but uh, yeah, he he can hang with Curtis for most of the race, and he'll probably get popped off with a lap or two ago, but uh, should be able to hang on for a podium. I uh, I see that happening, so that's my prediction for that race. Um, little guy, anything you want to add to that one? No. All right. And going into the women's championship elite pro race the hands down favorite one would have to expect mm -hmm. going for her record 16th national let's championship? just call it 16 i like it katherine katie compton katherine katie compton kfc racing presented by trek panache so nice you say it twice she is yep she is uh <laughs> she's got to be the favorite mm -hmm. racing mostly a domestic calendar this year um, 
hands down. Up uh, other top favorites, according to our friends at CrossResults.com, would be Amanda Miller, Caitlin Antonu, and um, Courtney McFadden. Yep. Now, to round out the top four. I'm not one to normally disagree with CrossResults.com. They have a pretty solid system. Yeah, um, I've heard you talk about them. I Yeah, I, but, I think it's great. But I think, you know, a day of, conditions change, things change. Uh, it, it can kind of be a crapshoot. And I really think that um, Katie Compton will probably uh, be the favorite. But I think... She will see some stiff competition from both L. Anderson, who's been racing in Europe all year, and Becca Ferringer. I think both of those names oh. uh, should be a little higher up on the prediction list, and I think that is a solid A little low podium. on CrossResults.com, but I did go to CrossResults.org, and I did see those two even higher, huh. um, close to Katie Compton taking into account. I think, Spencer, that's a good prediction. I, I do have a general question for you guys. Does winning get old after a while? I mean, I've never really won, so, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't but, know. like, I mean, Katie Compton's been – there was those years when she was doing – what was it? 2008 Olympics when she was the blind pilot mm-hmm. or the, the, the pilot on the blind tandem. So she couldn't race uh, USA Cycling races mm-hmm. um, in her category. She could only do the national championship. So she used to have to start in the back row, and she would still go through everybody and win. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder if, uh, you know, does it, after a while, does she kind of wait around for competition? Or do you think that they'll be able to hang with her? No, I think, I think, I mean, it just, I think this is the strongest the women's field's been in a long time. And I think it's always been relatively strong. Um, so I, I, I don't think she's going to have the chance to soft pedal uh, during this race at all. So, especially, like I said, Elle Anderson's been getting top 10 results in, in Europe uh, steadily through the season, and we know that translates well. Um, we see Stephen Hyde, you know, just getting those top 10s over there as well. So if you think of where he is uh, in relationship to the men's field, um, you can you can uh, safely say L. Anderson could be right up there. Good to know, and I appreciate that. Now let's get to the, the men's race on the day, uh-huh. the, um, the bigger race, and – Stephen Hyde is the cross results favorite, um, followed by Tobin Ortenblad and Danny Summerhill. Um, and Jeremy Powers coming in at 10th place on the prediction, Whoa. just in front of Anthony Clark. Um, little guy, yep. who do you think takes the uh, win in the men's competition at the national championships in Hartford, Connecticut? Right. What's the weather? Spencer, what's it look like? Uh, it's going to be kind of crazy because it's going to rain during the week. Nice. It's going to freeze. It's nice. going to get a little snow on Friday. Nice. And it's going to be cold in the mornings and maybe thawing a little bit in the afternoons. It's going to be a rutted, definitely a solid ruddy mess in the mornings. And I don't know if it's going to loosen up a lot in the afternoons or if it's going to stay kind of just jarringly rutted. Hyde, Page, j Powell. Eric Thompson. Okay. So, quick question on you there, Spencer. Um, Thanks for the weather report. Do we know if any of the course, and I'm sure I could listen to the Crosshairs radio podcast, any pro-only section of the course? um, The reason I ask is that it's kind of a disservice to run all of these races on this course at this point. It's almost embarrassing. I was looking at, there is, I mean, there's got to be 20 different categories Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so we're talking five days of racing, hundreds yep. of people. So what the course looks like today is not what it's going to look like when Jeremy Powers takes the victory on Saturday. Or I'm sorry, on Sunday. So my question is, is are they going to have a different track out there, or are they going to be racing 100% what the um, the amateur jerks are going to be ruining? 95% of it's going to be the same. There is a pro-only section. Uh, it's pretty steep uphill and some off-camber descending. Um, that should be awesome. And it comes right before the finish line. So... It's going to change some things up. I don't know if you've seen the preview video for this course, but uh, the the preview I've raced at that park on a different layout of course and I knew that it had potential to be awesome. And I think they've really nailed it with this course. They really used the park to its fullest potential. It's going to be a really good nationals. I'm excited to go see it. Uh, yeah. A lot of just... crazy off-camper and a lot of technical abilities will be needed i'm just a little curious as to why they get away with um i don't know do you guys see what i'm trying to get at with the amount of racers on the course and how that does excessive damage i mean then the lines don't even become good lines because you have the you know the tree people come out and it just everything gets to be a mess yeah yeah i I think tim i think you should just be happy that the course isn't underwater so the men's not the men's championship race, right? Yeah. No, sorry. The the men's forty to forty nine non championship race has Adam Meyerson predicted to finish first, and there are a hundred and thirty two participants in that race alone, right? And that's for twenty minutes on Tuesday or whatever, thirty minutes on Tuesday. So Meyerson's going to get to go out there, cut some, uh, you know, cut some track, probably pass over half the field. And then it's like when Meyerson actually goes for the national championship in his category in the um, uh, 45 to 49 category, it's going to be a completely different course than what he raced on because of the amount of track that's been laid. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's, that's exciting. And that's cycle cross. You need to pick your tires and your pressure and your everything. Well, like, that's but, what makes but it fun. No, don't start it getting does, no. I disagree with you, Tim, and that it does mean we always have heavy courses because there's almost no way – you can have a yeah. fast course at nationals for like the elite races because the course is going to be so chewed up by that point. And being winter, like you said, it's going to freeze, thaw, freeze, thaw. Um, it's going to cause a mess, and it would make it give other people a chance if the course has got a little more options. It's not like yes. watching like so this weekend when I don't watch the American race, but I watch like the Dutch race or the Belgian race. Um, you know, they'll probably run three or four national championships on their courses. And so they get chewed up, but they can't get nearly as chewed up, you know? And it makes a different race. Did you guys see Meyerson's registered for three races this weekend? Is Meyerson going to come out with a national championship jersey? I'd like to think he... I mean, he's got to have a good shot in the 45 to 49 category. Um, Age? He's registered for single speed, the non-championship race. In that category, he's going up uh, for the jersey against Mark Savory, who just won Worlds masters worlds i don't i don't think it's going to be as easy as you uh make make it out to no me. i'm well, well again i'm not saying it's going to be easy i'm saying that he has to be one of the favorites in the 45 to 49 category he's predicted to finish third he um, can beat savory yeah mark savory i'm sure he's fast trek side cross uh collective spe- uh little guy is he out of uh the wisconsin area no, no, he's, i think he lives in omaha or something he comes up to minnesota to race okay. like 
Let's see here. Have you beaten him? Nope. I haven't beaten him, but I've ridden around for half a half a race with him. So, um, I think Myerson's faster than him. I don't think I could ever hang with Myerson. Maybe I could. Maybe I'm selling myself short. Adam, I'm coming for you. Myerson's predicted to finish. Myerson's predicted to finish sixth in the single speed race. Now, a single speed race has to be the most uh, difficult for cross results to actually predict just because of the amount of, uh, you know, that goes into gearing and all the variety of racers that are chosen. Like, it's not like a universal single speed field on who's getting what points. Um, Florida boy Ryan Woodall predicted to finish ninth in that category. Oh, so this is just another case of um, Tim saying that every. All the statistics are wrong because all everything should say that Woodall should be first in everything. Ah, first in my heart. So there is only 150 men registered in the single speed race. Um, so there you go. It, it promises to be a good weekend of racing. Spencer, what will you be looking for when you're out there in Connecticut? Uh... Well, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'm not sure what my predictions for the men's race are yet. Yeah, so I'm asking. So who's going to win? Oh! Who are you looking for? Oh, okay. Well, uh, in that case, I've got, uh, I've got some, some dark horses. Uh, for the win, I don't think this is a very dark horse, but I think it is the year of Stephen Hyde. I think this is, yeah. this is the chance. There's a, there's a kink in the king's armor, and he's going to be able to exploit it this year. Uh, I, okay. I, I, I think Jeremy will be back on top in the future, but uh, 2017, 16-17 season is going to belong to Hyde. Um, second place, though, I think we're going to see a real dark horse, somebody that's on nobody's radar who registered for this race just the other day and is going to come out strong with some crazy off-camera mountain bike skills and I'm talking about Todd Wells. I did Todd Wells register. Yes. Oh. And he should probably be in the Masters category, but he's not. He's racing elites. Uh, cross results you know, has, him, to him. has him predicted sixth, but I think he's going to be better than that. Yeah. Props to Todd Wells for showing up into the uh, pro race mm-hmm. on, a, on a whim. So what's his form like? I mean, has he been racing full um, mountain bike yeah, season? I mean, what, he's like, been crushing the mountain bikes, uh, you know, pretty regularly. He's taking it back. Cross has not been really on his calendar at all, from what I know, but um, I don't follow his personal racing that much. But I, I'm ex- I think he'll have a good race. I think the course will be good for him. Uh, I'll put Jeremy in third. And then yeah. uh, on the wide-angle podium, because USA Cycling loves to do that at Nationals, yeah. I'm going to put Anthony Clark in fourth. Okay, because fifth is Jamie Driscoll, right? Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, it has um, to be. Okay. Anthony Clark has not been racing since uh, DCCX, where he crashed and uh, broke a finger or thumb or something, dislocated it. I don't know. but um, So he's been really off everyone's radar, and I think he's been training hard, and he is just rearing to go. He's been one focus on his mind, you know, and uh, I think we're going to see some big things out of him this weekend. All right. All right, so Spencer, I did some digging on cross results. It is a, a great website to to kind of look around. Todd Wells has raced some races here uh, this year. He is the he won the Arizona State Side Cross Championship uh, field out of eleven. However, he did win a UCI C two. He beat a gentleman named Michael Van Denham. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Looks like he's Sounds from Canada. Canadian. Never really heard of him. 
Um, uh, Michael Van Denham uh, in second. But he did beat Justin Lindeen, Jamie Driscoll, and um, Alan Krughoff uh, in that race. Now, Todd Wells, I think, would definitely be on the wide-angle podium. Now, I have said that Jeremy Powers will be taking the victory in the upset of the ages. Nothing against Stephen Hyde. I just think Stephen Hyde's probably going to have bad luck of some kind, roll a tire, um, not even finish in the uh, top five of the podium because of such horrible luck. Oof. I think he is the, the most talented racer out there. I would love to see Stephen Hyde win, but I don't know. Just Sometimes when I say someone's going to win, they end up having horrible luck. So I'm trying to, to give the reverse curse to Stephen Hyde and say that he is going to get a double flat tire. And then he is going to be able to run away and win by five minutes or you know whatever. I do think Powers will take the win. I'm a big fan, as you guys know, of Tobin Ortenblad in second. Third place... Representing Minnesota, Eric Thompson, <laughs> and then we will see uh, Todd Wells and Danny Summerhill on your podium. Now, if you asked me just right now and you said, hey, Tim, can you repeat that podium for me again? I would probably have it all messed up because I don't know what I just pulled out of my uh, um, backside to come up with that. But once again, Powers takes the win. Uh, I believe I said Tobin Ortenblad in second, and then Eric Thompson in yeah. third. I think you, I think you um, nailed it. Yeah, I like it. Followed by uh, Todd Wells and uh, Jamie Driscoll. Or sorry, Danny Summers. Thompson gets third. Sure. That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, there you have it. Your uh, your absolute uh, predictions for the biggest uh, cycle cross race in the U.S. in 2017. And with that. I think that uh, we, we pretty much nailed it. We're back. Everyone's wondering how it went. The live show in Minneapolis was great. We'd love to thank Derek from Rafa for stopping by and dropping off our very own Dan from Nam Namibia National Championship jerseys. Great stuff at the live podcast there in Minneapolis. It's good stuff. Um, and once again, by, we'd like by to... By live podcast, you mean the three of us sitting around a table talking to each other with no recording device whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah, we lost yes, the recording. that's device. right. It was yeah. beautiful, but we lost it yeah. all. And with that, we'd like to remind you, always, always, always wave to your fellow cyclists because they are like you. They're riding a bike and just having some fun. They're trying to get from point A to point B and having a good time while they do it. So wave to them. Don't be that guy on all of the group rides. Yep. And we'd like to thank BK1 of Rhyme Series Entertainment for the intro and outro music. We'd like to thank Health IQ dot com slash slow ride and this upcoming saturday night 5 p.m in hartford connecticut the uh crosshairs radio live show with the myerson line and the slow ride podcast be there the slow ride podcast likes advice and rumors straight from the source the slow ride podcast.com and on twitter at the slow ride Pod. 